welcome to Tuesday Taubman Tips on Inside the Taubman Approach. Today's episode features John Bloomfield, who did a presentation on awkward scales in August of 2020. Be sure to visit the show notes of this episode because there you can find the video that this audio comes from. And go to our website, galanskiinstitute.org, and sign up for our newsletter. Uh, there you're going to find so much information related to the Taubman Approach and our streaming service. And really, sign up for our newsletter because there are so many exciting things happening right now at the Galansky Institute, and you're not going to want to miss one exciting thing. Let's get into today's episode. The first question that I want to address, and you'll hear me refer back to some of the things that you've already heard tonight. Uh, the first question that I want to address is uh, came from a pianist who says, when playing scales that are awkward, would you suggest changing traditional fingering? like G major in the right hand, for example. So the thing that we have to ask ourselves, first of all, is why is it awkward? I think many people find that this is the case, but let's take a look and see what happens. If we begin the scale, and we end here with the third finger on the E, notice that my fourth finger is very far from the F sharp. There's no way that I can play that F sharp with any kind of ease. I'll pull towards it this way, that's going to curl my third finger. It's going to get the fourth finger very straight, and the whole setup feels bad in the hand. So you heard Edna talk earlier tonight about how in and out motions could be used to avoid twisting. And you heard Mary talk about, Mary and Bob both talk about uh, the dangers of curling. We can also use in and out motions to avoid curling, and we have to use them in a particular way in this key. So uh, if you take your... Uh, hand out and place it flat on the table or the piano. Look at the legend at the bottom. You see arrows that I have to describe in motions and out motions. The arrows that go this direction take us in towards the piano. The arrows that go this direction take us out towards the body. And when we use those words, in and out, we're talking about motion in this plane. I know that those of you that are steeped in the Taubman approach already understand this, but for those who are a little bit newer, I just want to clarify. <clears throat> Um, it's also dangerous to think that in means black keys and out means white keys. In and out are, are just relationships. And when I talk about going in, I'm talking about going a little bit closer to the piano, the fallboard, than I was a moment ago. When I talk about coming out, a little bit closer to the body. The best place to see this is at the elbow because it's an entire motion. Uh, it's a motion of the entire forearm hand finger unit. And you can see that if I'm moving my elbow forward, I'm going closer to the fallboard. If I'm moving the elbow out towards the body, then I'm moving um, in the opposite direction. So when we play G major, there's a particular combination of in and out motions that actually works to produce a very easy result, and it's not awkward at all. And I'd like to show you how that works. You can refer to the handout if you want. And if we start the scale of G major, you can see that when I play the thumb on the white key, my long fingers are in the black key area. Now, so that we don't curl the fingers to get them out, we're going to use that out motion from the elbow, and you can see that now my second finger is in the white key area. My third finger is still close to the black key. I'm going to come out and play that third finger in the white key area. Now I have to go back into the thumb, and when I go back in, 
that releases again the long fingers into the black key area and the process starts again. I'm going to come out to the two, but now because that F sharp is coming, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move forward to the third finger and that puts me very, very close to where I have to play the fourth finger on the F sharp. So you can see that by using the in and out motions in a strategic way, I'm able to get it, each finger in the right place so that the next one is easy to do. So one more time, I'm coming out on two, out on three, and on one. I'm coming out on two, I'm moving forward on three, and forward on four, and then crossing to the one again. Again, anytime I play the one, it's going to put the long fingers into the black key area. I must come out if I'm going to play white key. So out on two, out on three, into the one. I'm going to come out on two, but here's the crucial moment. I've got to go into the three, uh, forward rather to the three, and uh, forward to the fourth finger before I play that five. Uh, just one brief explanation about the word forward. Uh, we use the word forward to mean the most minimal in, I guess you could say. Uh, if we play forward, the fingertip is already in the right place. I'm simply shifting my weight to where the finger is already resting on the key. The fourth finger is already in the right place. I'm simply shifting my weight to it. So you can think of forward and in in the same family, and uh, that will be fine. If the, the main, main issue is that you want to feel that forward and in take you closer to the instrument, and then the out takes you closer to the body. Um, so all of these motions are small in the end, and if they're well calibrated, you're not really going to see too much, but you'll find that each finger is in the right place for the next one to play following it. So what happens when I go a little bit faster like this, you don't see as much movement as I was doing before, but if you're watching my elbow, you can see that I do come out and I come back in for the thumb, and then when I play that third finger, I'm moving forward so that the fourth finger feels very easy to put on the black key. And coming out for the two, three, and for the one, a little bit out for the two. I don't come as much out for this two as I do for the one on A because I'm going someplace else on the three. I'm going forward on that three for the E, and then forward on the four, and then the five is in the right place. Um, a couple of other things to check uh, to make sure that uh, the scale doesn't have awkwardness that's caused by other problems. Uh, one of the things that is going to be true for any scale that moves away from the body, ascending right hand, descending left hand, there has to be enough lateral motion for the thumb to get into its key without any problem. Very often what happens is that people can make the right rotational motion, but they don't move the arm enough to the right, and if the arm isn't moved into a position where it's out of the thumb's way, the thumb can't get to the key. So the motion, the lateral motion, starts as soon as you leave the thumb. I'm moving over a little bit to the right as I play that two, and moving a little bit more to the right as I play the three. You can see that that puts me in a very, very good place to play the one. Moving a little bit to the right when I play the two, more to the right when I play the three, more when I play the four, and that puts me in a good place for the thumb. So that's something else to check in case um, you're, you're still feeling an awkwardness while the in and out is correct. Uh, one other thing that you might want to check is what is the thumb doing once it releases? The thumb should be shadowing the playing finger in an ascending scale like this. It never pulls under the hand. That's going to create a kind of tension in the palm that you can feel immediately. Uh, many people were trained that way, including me, and uh, it gives uniformly bad results. 
but the thumb can trail right behind the playing finger, and that brings it close to the key that it's going to play. So I know that it's hard for you to see my thumb in this position from this camera angle, but I'm letting the thumb hang behind the two, then behind the three, and then it's very close to the one. You can see that there's no sudden motion getting there. It's behind the two, behind the three, behind the four, and then back to the one. Um, you know, just to echo what Bob said about the single rotation, if in the scale the single rotation stops to function, then you won't be able to go smoothly from the plant finger before the thumb to the thumb. So I would say that's something else to check. Um, this is irrespective of whatever in and out combination the key you're in requires. You have to have that single rotation to the thumb, and then once you play that thumb, there's going to be a single rotation to the second finger. I should say also that it's going to be helpful if you'll release the hand in a condition to continue to that second finger. Sometimes when the motions are a little bit exaggerated, the hand releases in a way that um, isn't designed to continue, and that's something to watch. You want to ask yourself, when that thumb plays, is the hand in a condition to play the two? All it has to do is drop to the right to play that two. It's fine. Notice that, again, I'm going forward here, and then the process starts again. Uh, just also to echo one final thing that Bob said, shaping can also help make any scale feel smoother. So the, we have a series of shapes that start with the thumb and then ascending scale. I'm getting a little bit higher after the thumb and continuing to get higher until the finger before the next thumb. Then I come down to that level position that you heard Mary describe. A little bit higher, still higher, still higher, and then down again. Higher, higher, down. You can see what that looks like. I'm going to play without the talking just so you get the whole picture. So you can see it looks smooth. It doesn't look like there's an awkwardness there. And it all has to do with coordinating the many, many moving parts into a smooth, smoothly functioning whole. Now, it also brought up something else, which I thought was interesting, uh, because just because a piece is in G major, it doesn't mean you have to use the fingering for the G major scale. I think sometimes people feel obligated to do this because they think that they're playing in G major and they should use the traditional G major fingering. But I would say generally in pieces, you don't have scales that start on the keynote and stop on the keynote. You have fragments of scales uh, that may start any place and may take any kind of uh, you know, change of direction. I would always use the fingering that feels smoothest to the hand. And when you heard Edna talking about um, fingering that was economical, fingering that was efficient, it's always the fingering that requires the least amount of movement. So I thought of showing you um, an example from the Mozart uh, Sonata K283 uh, because the editor is suggesting a fingering that does mirror the fingering of the G major scale, and yet there's a fingering that I think is, is actually easier to do. So if you, again, look at your handouts and start the second measure there, we'll start for the 16th Mozart. The editor suggests using the four on the F sharp. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it will work fine. But you see that what that does is it creates a larger movement and also the need to come out on that third finger because the third finger is in the black key area at that point. So an easier fingering, simply because it requires less adjusting, would be to put the three on the F sharp and save the four here. 
I want you to try it at home, both possibilities, and whatever you, whatever feels better to your hand, of course, is the one to use. But uh, there is always the possibility of changing the fingering of the key that you're in simply to suit the passage that you're playing.